What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. We're going to look at, we've been doing the last three weeks, we've been doing a series on not how did Jesus come, but why did Jesus come? And that's what really gets my heart pumping a little bit more, uh, not just looking at the manger scene. And I've done this message before, but a lot of us are like, oh, uh, if you've heard a message like this, we have the manger scene all wrong. Hate to break it to you, but the three wise men weren't there that night, you know, and all these things. And those are always fun messages to talk about how here's what it really meant. Here's what myrrh actually means and all these, these hows. But what I want to look at today is why did he come? Because here's what I believe. We can figure out the exact way the manger looked and still go to bed hopeless. Amen? It doesn't quite, it does matter, but it doesn't fully matter. What matters more is why did he come? Another thing I need to make sure I mention before we jump in, uh, there, I love the little kid chatter this morning. Uh, we have kids, everybody's in here today. We, just, we have one service. We didn't have the heart to say, hey, you don't get to be a part of the Christmas service, go serve. Uh, we're so thankful for our nursery and preschool workers. They're incredible. They come and serve every week, and so we wanted to give everybody a break. So that's what's happening there. But what we're going to look at today is the why Jesus came. In the last three weeks, we looked at Jesus is life. We looked at Jesus last week is light, and today we're looking at Jesus is love. So if you open your Bibles with me to 1 John, now you're thinking, I've never heard 1 John preached at Christmas. Well, you've probably never been in a theater for Christmas either, so let's move forward. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and we're going to be reading that. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. By the way, notice how it doesn't say love is God. That's an important difference there. God's love, verse 9, was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, We must also love one another, the spirit of Christmas. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your love that has come down to us. We're so thankful this morning that we're celebrating what happened 2,000 years ago and that you came from heaven down to earth so that you might save us. God, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified. King Jesus, we're so thankful that you loved us and you came down, lived the perfect life, and died for us. And Jesus, my prayer, everybody says, amen, amen. So it was the night after Christmas, December 26th, 2016. I got off the airplane. I got, uh, it was the airport at the Israel Tel Aviv airport. And uh, it was the night after Christmas. And I remember putting on my iPod, I'm weird like this. It was still Christmas season, right? I always, I hold out. It's like January 6th because Disneyland finally says it's no longer Christmas. So that's, that's my timeline, January 6th. So I was playing a silent night. I thought that was kind of a cool thing to do coming into because it was at nighttime. Oh, I just set the whole thing up. It was fantastic. So go in and uh, we fly. And I'm a little bit tense because I got the person that organized this trip was type B. So they were like, just show up and somebody will have your name somewhere and you'll get driven for an hour and a half to Bethlehem. I'm like, okay, okay. So I just get off and I'm looking everywhere. Mind you, I'm flying all alone. 
I have no idea where I'm at. I can't read Hebrew, and so I only took Greek, and so I'm like, I'm freaking out. I finally see a sign that says William Camp, and so I took two seconds and said, God, technically that's not my name, but it is my name, so I pray <laughs> that there's not another person here that's named William Camp and that that's me, because if you know me, my name's technically Trey. Well, it's technically William. My full name's William Trey Lamar Van Camp III, so it should have said Trey Van Camp, William Van Camp instead to make me uneasy. It said William Camp. So I'm like, okay, God, there's no other way. There's another William Camp. So I get there and he literally just takes the sign, goes like this. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay. And he just starts walking. I'm like, do I go with you? Do I? So I just follow him and go into a car. And what's weird, because I do Uber because I'm a millennial. So I'm like, I know that how this stuff works. And he makes me sit shotgun, which I was very uncomfortable with. I don't know why. I'm like, I don't want to look like your accomplice. You know what I'm saying? I want to be in the back seat in the front seat. Okay, anyways, and so, um, so I was like very nervous, and I started thinking, is there any rec- recorded document that says this guy's picking me up? There's nothing. I realized 15 minutes into the ride, I didn't sign anything. He didn't, like there was no legal transaction. I could be dead in 15 minutes, and nobody would know. The worst part is I forgot to uh, start my phone plan, so, so uh, my phone didn't work that first day, so couldn't tell my wife I was about to die, so I was very, very nervous. I'm I know in sermons you try to exaggerate. This was no exaggeration if you know me. And so I'm like, the car smells like smoke. I'm not against that, but I'm also not for that. I was like, <laughs> you know, just the whole time, like, dear God, I, I don't know where Bethlehem is. But God, like, like this picture in my mind of this silent night. I was like, oh God, anything. Like, this is not a silent night. I, I'm terrified. And, and so he finally looks at me and he says, um, so are you one of those Christians? All right, uh, great start. I'm thinking I can either say, yeah, and then I'm dead, or I don't know which way he's swinging, you know? And so I, I was like, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess. You'd like to think the preacher was like, of course I am, are you? If you were to die today. No, I was like, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, um, and then he's like, why are you here? I'm like, well, I just want to see, you know, where Jesus was born and where he died and all this stuff. And he, and he didn't say anything back. So I'm like, either, I don't know, I, don't, I know cultures are different, so I'm not trying to look into it too much. But I'm also documenting this whole thing on my phone. I had the camera on, like, if I die, make sure, wife, you ask for the, you know, the SD card. And so this was like when I first started vlogging. And anyways, we're about an hour in. And he finally asked me, we're all, I think we're almost there. I don't know. I could be going to the middle of the desert, you know, having a wilderness experience with God and Moses. But... Uh, he finally says, why do you hate our people? I was like, ooh. Give context, he's Palestinian. So generally, when you look at Americans, we're like for the Jewish people, therefore we hate the Palestinians. And so I like to say in my preacher voice, I, I said, well, I do love you. And it's because of the stable, I am able to love anybody and everyone. Instead, I said, I don't. Uh, and then that was the honest end of the conversation. I wanted to say, first of all, when he said, do, why do you? I forgot my one-liner, Jordan. I had the one-liner. It was ready, and I didn't do it. Jordan said it had been funny. So here it is. Act like I didn't say the last 15 seconds. I could never be a comedian, <laughs> okay? But I, when he said, uh, you know, why, don't you, why do you hate our people? I wanted to say, why do you hate tips? Because this is not, you know, progressing. No, nope, see, it went, didn't work. It would have been good. <laughs> 20 seconds ago. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I said I don't, and then he didn't say anything, and then um, I asked for change. He took off, so I lost a lot of money. It's fine. I'm, not, I'm a big boy, um, but, but honestly, I, that, that 
question really did hurt me, and I, I wanted, to, I wish I had more guts, but to be honest, I also was freaked out because while I was on the plane flying over the Middle East, I was listening to season two of the Serial Podcast, talking about the American who left the camp and got tortured by Middle Eastern people, and I'm here alone thinking, I'm be- so I was nervous, okay? Don't listen to that kind of podcast when you are flying alone. But First John 4, 7 it says, this is what I should have answered him. It said, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. See, I can love you. I can, the only way I can love anybody is because God first loved me. And that's the whole message of Christmas. The fact that God, in the, he came down in the flesh and dwelt among us shows that he loved us, although we had nothing to bring to him. This is point number one. We have to think about this when we think about the Christmas season. We have to get this in our head. You cannot bring any love to the table if you do not receive what was done at the stable. You cannot. Why is Christmas so important? Us pastors, we want to go straight to Easter, right? Let's just talk about why he died. That is so important and why he rose again, amen. But this season, we're supposed to think about, wow, if he didn't come down, I am helpless and hopeless and I can't even love myself, let alone love my neighbor. But because of Christmas, we can. Because of the stable, we are able to love and to serve those around us. I'm gonna look at that. The whole Christmas season is supposed to be a time where we serve each other, where we give donations to nonprofits, where we love one another. But I think you know, deep down, we know, oh, I, I don't feel like I'm actually being loved. I don't feel like I'm actually loving. Well, according to this passage, if you do not have a relationship with God, if you do not have a relationship with King Jesus, you cannot truly love. Now, I believe that doesn't mean you can't do loving acts. I don't think that means if you're not a Christian, you're a hateful person. At the same time, though, there is a a genuine love that only you can have in Christ. And I want to look at that. What kind of love do we have as believers in Jesus that we wouldn't have if Jesus didn't come down into the stable? So let's look at verse 9 together. Verse 9 says, God's love was remilled, revealed. <laughs> God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now notice, I love that it's his first John. Uh, the apostle John wrote first John, but he also wrote John. So kind of using the same phrasing here, God sent his one and only son into the world. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. This was an imagery, this was a picture that the apostle John loved to talk about. He wanted us to realize how special this was. And I was reading that thing, oh, how, how great that he was sent to us. But I, I realized in studying this passage over and over again, the importance here is that he was sent into the world. When we think of Christmas, we have to realize the importance that Jesus was sent into the world. Because a lot of us think in our message of hope, we think Jesus came so we can be sent out of it. But first we have to sit and think about how Jesus was sent into it. Why is that so important? We live in a world today that people find a lot of hope in escaping. Right? Um, like uh, any, no, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, when I talk to like my grandparents, it's always like they're watching a certain news channel and they're like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, right? And let's just, we can't wait to get out. Okay, I get that. I know I'm young and see not like I, I, I know I'm young and I don't, I don't really realize how bad this world is. But what I love about our Christian faith is it's not this world is so bad, let's not touch it. Jesus came into the world, into the filth, into the mess. 
That's really important. See, we, again, we live in a world that's trying to run away from the world. We have a message today that says, just live for the weekend, right? Do everything you do, but you have to do it for retirement. You need to escape where you're currently at. The hope is always, oh, it's because you live in Arizona. It is way too hot. If you moved, everything will be okay. Escape, right? Oh, you just need to travel more. You need to do all these things more, and then you'll be happy, but you'll realize even with all the money in the world, all the opportunities in the world, the more you escape to something, you'll have to escape from that. There's never a genuine hope for escape. And a lot of us have the mentality, I'm only here because I have to be. I'm just serving my time. And there's some truth to that. What I love is this message of Christmas shows we're not just here to escape something. We're here to bring hope to something. Here's point number two. Because of the stable, we are able to love when others would leave. We're able, because of Jesus coming down as baby Jesus and then growing up because of that reality, when the world would say, let's get out of here, let's live for the weekend, let's escape this situation, let's leave that marriage, this isn't working for us anymore, we can say, no, 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 God has modeled it for us. We're staying in the mess because we believe that mess can be redeemed. That's really good, guys. That's a good hope right there. Why do we do good deeds during Christmas? Why? Why do we serve the poor? I think a lot of us, a lot of people think, oh, the church serves the poor. The church, uh, this Black Friday, we gave out energy drinks and, and protein bars and packs of gum to the workers and Target and Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A was so nice about it. We're like, of course, Chick-fil-A, you're the best in every category, right? Amen, Chick-fil-A sauce. I always want it on Sunday. But um, why did we do that? And people think, oh, it's a PR stunt. It's a marketing thing. It's how you can get people to come to your church. No, no, no. You have to realize, as Christians, we believe this world is worth saving. As Christians, we believe this society is not too far gone, and we believe we can bring hope to this world. And it's not just so that our church will grow, but we believe God created this world for an intended purpose and design, and we are doing everything possible to bring it back to that original design. I want to have so much joy looking at our city and seeing families that aren't broken. That makes me happy, even if they don't come to our church. I believe that. Why? Because that God has created the world this way because I know this. I was once rejected, but now I'm redeemed. When I look at our city, I see a lot of people who feel rejected, a lot of people who feel hurt. I want to tell them we have a message. We're here to redeem not just your spiritual life, but we want to help you financially. We want to help you emotionally. We want to help you in all the categories because when Jesus spent his time on earth, he healed the entire person. He let the lame start to walk. He, he healed the blind so they could see. When he went to the leper, I love this. He doesn't, he doesn't say you're healed and then touches the leper. What Jesus does is he touches the leper and then said he's healed. You know why that's so important? He not only wanted to heal him physically, he wanted to heal him socially, saying, I love you, and although the world won't touch you while you're sick, I'm touching you in the midst of your sickness, and I'm willing to get sick with you. Oh, now I'll heal you, but I want you to know I'm not touching you because you're healed. I'm touching you while you're sick. That's the Christmas message. As Christians, we get to do that. We get to love when others would leave. I love this. Christianity exploded from 100 to 300 AD. Why? Because of plagues. Praise God for no sanitary solutions, right? The world was like, this is nasty. There's fungus everywhere. We're leaving. Priests from other religions would head out. Christianity exploded because the Christians, not just the pastors, but the, you hear me? Don't leave me here with something happening. All of the Christians stayed. 
and said, you know why I'm not leaving you? Because God didn't leave me. So I'm going to serve you in your mess because King Jesus served me in my mess. And we actually found out that all the people needed was just some tender, loving care and some, a nice bath. So the Christians were able to do that. They served and they helped them and they actually brought people back to health. And they said, every other person with every other worldview left, but you stayed. How come? Well, they said 2,000 years ago, because they loved to rhyme back then too, because of the stable, I am able to love when others would leave. I like to think that at least. With God, the best is yet to come. And that's the message of Christmas. So with God, we believe we're going to fight as a church to restore every marriage that we can run into. We believe we're going to fight with all of our energy to bring purpose and passion back to your kids' lives. We believe the best is yet to come. So as a church, we're going to fight to end injustice, to end poverty, to end disease, to end famine. We want to see our society flourish because God believed this world was worth saving, not worth just leaving. I think that's really important for us to see. I love the, the last thing, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as believers this Christmas season and every season is to bring as much of heaven down to earth as possible. And that is society flourishing. Let's look at verse 10. Man, I thought he would just talk about the manger. Where is he going? Okay, verse 10. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I love this. See, God came down to us. We have to realize this hopeful message is actually that we could never get to him. That initially seems like, wow, that, that, that's hard. What if I can earn it? No, no, no. Some people try to find love through escape. Other people try to find love through earning. And so we say, God, if I do enough good deeds, I'll earn your love. No, no, no. He says, you had no way to love me, but I was the one who came to love you. Uh, verse 19, if you go further in this chapter, he says, we love, why? Because he first loved us. Here's what we have to see. True love never starts with us. It always starts with God. Anytime you have any love for anybody, it's because you first experienced love from God himself. Because of the stable, we are able to love because it's how he first loved us. Here's what's good news. That's not on your notes, but I think it's worth writing down. God's passion for you has nothing to do with your performance for him. That's what's so cool about Christmas. God's passion for you has nothing to do with your performance for him. This is what I love. He says, uh, verse 10 again, uh, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And look, and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It doesn't say we loved you so much and you're so incredible. We wanted to be around you that we came down because we wanted to hang out. No, no, no. It says we loved you and you're so bad that I had to die and be your sacrifice because you are such a sinner. Merry Christmas, right? This is what's so hopeful, though. We have to see Christ didn't come down because we're so impressive. No, we need a sacrifice. We are sins that need sacrifice for. That's not impressive at all. Christ came down because he's impressive. Not because we're impressive. Did you know you're valuable? God doesn't love you because you're valuable. You are valuable because God loves you. That's some good theology right there, but I'll move on. Praise God he doesn't love us because of our performance for him. Praise God he doesn't love us because of the gifts that we bring to him. It's, it's a terrible gift exchange. Christmas is, talking about gift exchange, I'm the worst at it. The gift exchange we have between God is Jesus gives us his righteousness and we give him our filth. 
There you go. That's how I feel every Christmas with my wife. I cannot get gifts. I am the worst. I, I want to blow people away. I blow them away by how little thought I could put into it. I can't think of anything, guys. I only know of three gifts in this world, an iMac, a computer, and a Bible. If it's not those three things, I don't know what other people want, right? It's just really bad. So my wife just keeps getting Bible after Bible. <laughs> I'm literally the worst at it. Praise God, my wife loves me, not according to my gift giving. All right, let's move on though. Okay, but here's what's so good about God's being passionate about you and not your performance. What does that make us? Point number three, because of the stable, we are able to serve without any superiority. This one's really, really big. When we recognize that God loved me, even though I did nothing to earn that love, now when I turn around to love somebody else, I'm not loving you because I think I'm awesome. I'm loving anyone and everyone, every race, every economic, economic, is that even a word? <laughs> Associate, whatever. Every different class and every other word I don't know how to say. I don't care where you're at on the ladder. I love you because to me, I'm on the bottom. God loves me and I didn't earn it at all. And that's how I'm able to love because when I give, it's not because I think I'm better than you. In fact, the gospel kind of trains me to realize you are probably better than me, but I still want to give you a gift. You, have you ever been served even though they, you knew they thought they were better than you? Anybody? Like I always feel bad like when we go and give to the poor. I, I always want to communicate to them, I don't think I'm better than you. Like when I'm handing you this turkey, and by the way, vlog life is terrible when I'm with if you're, if you're new here, I take the camera everywhere I go. That's the one time I put the camera down because that just looks terrible, right? Like, look at me giving a gift. I'm so cool, right? Can you show your face? Yeah, it's just a humiliating thing. When we give, it's, you don't enjoy the gift when you feel like you're just, oh, you're so blessed to even be in the presence. Jesus loved to do this during his time on earth. When he came down, he loved to razz the Pharisees because of this, because the Pharisees always served out of superiority. Anytime they did anything, it was to really help themselves and show how incredible they were. Jesus flips the script, and as Christians, we can truly love because we're able to do that as well. Philippians 2 verse 6 says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. That is true love, saying, I'm not... Equality with God is not something to be used for my own advantage. I love that. Jesus modeled that. So we as Christians, as Jesus followers, we cannot act like, oh, I'm going to serve being superior. Jesus himself, who had every right to be superior in every single way, humbled himself and served as a servant, not as a celebrity. And that's the hope that we have. The gospel leaves zero room for a superiority complex. We were so hopeless that God had to come down from heaven to save us. Our love has nothing to do with our superiority. Let's look at verse 11 and we'll be done. Verse 11, it says, Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. Let's do verse 12 just for the fun of it. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, what's so incredible this Christmas is even though people haven't seen God's face, when we love one another, people see an image of God in us. What a privilege. What a joy. See, John loves to talk about this theme of love because, guys, love is something that we all long to receive, and love is also something we all long to give. 
But without the stable, we are not able to do that. Without the stable, we cannot receive the love that we truly need. And without the stable, we cannot give the love that we truly want to give. Right now, we're going to be uh, starting to pass out the candles. We're going to be doing, uh, singing these last two songs. We can just turn them on as you're singing. But as we're closing, I want us to look at this. When you're going to be taking these lights, it actually resembles, I, I actually, I'm not going to lie, I had to Google it a couple weeks ago. I'm like, why do we do candlelight? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because in the middle of just complete hopelessness and darkness, God gives us hope like a candle in the night. We have something to hold on to and long to. We're actually going to be singing here is Oh Holy Night. You know that song? Oh Holy Night. Okay, done. Um, that's why Shay sings, not me. But I was actually reading this, and I love this verse, and it, I think it perfectly summarizes what we're actually looking at here First 1 John 4. It says, surely he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. I love that line. So you see that? He's the one who taught us to love one another. Friends, we cannot, we cannot receive love and we cannot give love outside of what God did for us in Christ. That is the hope of Christmas. In a world that's trying to love but recognizes it falls short, God is saying, I am love. There is no true love apart from me. So get this, guys. Because of the stable, we're able. In a world that leaves, we can stay. Because, guys, Jesus should have left us. But he stayed. And while he was on the cross, he, while he was suffering, he could have said, forget this trash. I am done with this. And could have wiped everybody out. No. Because we have a love that never leaves. He stayed and suffered so that we can actually experience him. In a world that anxiously performs and is trying to gain people's favor and, and feel like we're enough, we can say, because of the gospel message, we can peacefully rest. God, you're going to take care of me. God, you have what's best for me. God, I know that you are completely in control. So I'm going to rest in that. In a world that tries to pull rank and say, but I'm better than you and they're better than this and I need to get better than him, we just simply give thanks and saying, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. I'm not loving you because I think I'm better than you. In fact, I am going to always assume you are better than me. You don't recognize this. The love of God, the reason God loves me has nothing to do with me. The reason I'm valuable has nothing to do with me. I'm not, because, I'm not valuable because whatever. I am valuable because God loves me. It's not that God loves me because I'm valuable. This is the message of Christmas. This is the hope that we have. I want us to see, look, it says... That he, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Have you believed in him? Do you recognize the reason for this season? Do you, have you actually received that love? Because that love is never ending. That love that God gives you will never leave. And it has nothing to do with your performance for him. It cannot get any better than that. Will you believe in him? Will you trust in him? Will you Say, God, oh, I'm, ex I'm believing and receiving your love. And I'm so excited to give that love back to you. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful for the manger. Lord, I pray that, um, man, it's so easy, especially if we've grown up around the church around Christmas, to, you know, not get too overwhelmed, Lord, just with the reality that you came. But God, I pray that we'd really sit here and think that, God, if I were God, and us as humans, we messed up. 
We have said, God, we don't want you. God, we don't love you. We are running the other way. God, I, I don't know if I would have come down and suffered all of that just to bring us back. But God, you loved us. God, for those of us who try to find love through escape, I pray that we would see that Jesus, you stayed and we can stay, that we can find hope in the midst of whatever we're going through. And not only can we just stick through it, but we can love and enjoy in the midst of it because you have done that for us. God, for the people who try to find love by earning it, like the Pharisees saying how superior they were, God, I pray that you'd reveal to them how that road leads to either pride or despair. Thinking we've earned it can lead to pride, thinking we're so much better, we're so much more superior than others. God, that's not reality. We're not a condition. But God, there's those of us who have been trained their whole life. Christmas message is about be good or else you're going to get a bag of coal. God, I, I pray that we'd recognize that despair is not the Christian message. It's not the hope of Christmas. We can find hope and joy and experience love now despite our performance. God, we're thankful for this gospel message. May we surrender all these things to you. And as we sing this song with our lights up in the air, God, pray that we would see that because of you, we have hope this Christmas. And because of the stable, we are able to love and to serve with a heart of joy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.